Hello, and welcome to a special bonus episode of The Whole View. I'm Stacey Toth of Real Everything, and normally this is where we do introductions, and I welcome you to the show. But today we're doing something a little special, and I'm sharing nuggets from our Patreon highlights. Often those conversations are even better because of the intimacy and relaxed environment, and I hate that you might be missing some of those. So I'm going to share a few of our favorites from March and April, and hope it inspires you to come join us over on the Patreon community, patreon.com slash the whole view. Did you hear the consumer report about the lighted dark chocolate? I think I saw the headline. I'm not sure that I read the full thing. Yeah. So from what I've been able to determine is Consumer Reports used the, like, warning level from California versus the Mm. federal government warning level to state that it was, you know, exceeding standards, which, understandably, yes. And they didn't address at all the fact that, like, this was from natural sources and is also paired with magnesium. So people have been asking me to address, like, am I quitting eating dark chocolate because of this news? And one of, to a couple of people, I've been like, no, I'm not worried about it at all. Like, I can see that the this is not like lead that has been added from a manufacturing process. This is natural from the sources of wherever this chocolate is being grown. The standards that were used were not the federal standards in terms of like being concerning. And if I know that I'm eating chocolate that is a whole food source that's paired with magnesium and other synergistic minerals that help the body detox something like lead, that doesn't concern me. And it's like that idea kind of blew people's minds. And I wonder if I'm like, in left field on this. Maybe you come back, we do a 15-minute bonus show on this. But I'm just, I was curious if you'd heard anything about it or thought about it at all. I mean, I think it goes along with the conversation that we had earlier just about you kind of have to pick and choose your battles. I would say it's it's a good excuse to not eat too much chocolate, right? Because anything in moderation is okay. I was a little bit nervous to do this show because I have so much respect for you and your work. And I was going through the book and I was honestly like surprised because it didn't marry with how I've come to know you on social. And that doesn't mean that like both things can't be true because, you know, both can. And I also know that not everybody is where I am in my journey of wanting to quit diet culture. And I can see how coming to the realization that you're approaching menopause because you're gaining weight would be a thing that would bring a lot of women in because societally that's something that we've been told you know to have alarm bells for but at the same time it was like i have so much respect for you and i want you to think that i'm (laughs) no and it's like i mean what began as a conversation around nutrition and menopause exploded into a conversation on social media just menopause in general i mean i was just answering questions and being like oh that's interesting could this be related to menopause and i would go down a rabbit hole of research and be like oh my god no one taught me this. Yeah. And so it's really, you know, we're rebranding the website to be more of a menopause umbrella with just nutrition as one arm of it. You know, I talk a lot about the menopause toolkit. You know, when you're looking for your best health in menopause, nutrition should be first and, you know, for almost everything in health. So 
then exercise, then possible pharmacology. Not everyone will qualify, want, or need, you know, and that's hormonal and non-hormonal. And then possible supplementation. We can't, you know, we don't swallow a handful of supplements to undo a poor nutritional choice. You know, it's not how it works. Supplements supplement a healthy diet and then stress reduction and adequate sleep. All of those things have to work together to get you to where you are as healthy as possible, you know, and nothing to do with the number on the scale. And so, you know, so I think it's, I'm writing another book and it's all about menopause. And so, and it's going to have very little, nothing to do about, wait, you know, I wrote the book two years ago. It takes forever to get published. (laughs) And so like, like you're kind of (laughs) stuck with what you have. And, but it is opening the conversation more around menopause in general And so many people are telling me that they just feel validated from the first few chapters, you know, nothing to do with their weight just everything to do with finally someone is saying something and recognizing that this is a thing I'm going through. These are real symptoms. And maybe here's some nutritional tips that'll help you, you know, control hot flashes or night sweats or healthier bones or whatever issues, you know, that you are served during this time of your life. Which is what happens when we're in that fight or flight and we're in that go, go, go. What happens for us is we often default to my body is the problem. Mm. And then we wonder, like, why do I feel so bad? Why am I suddenly like criticizing myself in the mirror? Why am I hating absolutely everything I put on in the morning? And often, if we're more in that place of parasympathetic and more relaxed, we're gentler with ourselves. The inner voice is kinder. When we're in that fight or flight, instead of looking at like, where's the real danger? We attack ourselves. Oh my gosh, my belly. It's just so rolly. Oh my gosh, my butt. It's just so dimply. Whatever the, whatever the conversation is in your head. But that happens more when we're in stress mode. And I'll tell you a story. There was this weekend I was going away with some friends and they live in quite small bodies. And I don't live in a, in a small, small body. I live in like a medium body with plenty of curves. So the week as we were rolling up, I was like to the weekend that I was going to be with my friends. I'm like looking in the mirror and I'm getting more and more critical. And I'm like, and now I don't buy it anymore. You know, I've been doing this work for 30 years. I just don't buy that voice. So I'm like, what, what is going on underneath the criticism? I was like, oh, I'm getting stressed. I'm getting stressed that I'm going to hang out with my friends and that they're going to judge my curvy body. And I was like, oh, and then I could be gentle with myself and be in more rational thoughts, right? Because the fear comes with irrational thoughts. I'm going to be in this larger body. They're going to judge me. They're going to love me less. They are more worthy because they live in small bodies. I was like, okay. First of all, they love me. They've loved me for my whole life. Like, that's not going to happen. Second of all, this is your stuff. This is your old stuff coming up of thin is better. And that's old thinking, right? So I could really engage with myself and my mind. Backed by research and science. And there's such a great you know, spot for supplements out there. And I know that people need to be taking them, but there's just like the pharmaceutical industries, there's people who abuse the supplement industry. So it was important for us to have science behind it. And so we decided, University of North Texas did this study. They took about a hundred college students who were healthy 
no medications, no known diseases or anything of the sort, healthy young college students. And they tested them. They had gave them a challenge meal, so like a pizza and something that's not super healthy. And they tested to see if they any of these LPS toxins, which is stands for lipopolysaccharide toxins, seeped into the bloodstream. So we know that lipopolysaccharides are really not that harmful in the gut. It's when they seep into the bloodstream that they cause this inflammatory response. And that's when disease happens and you know chronic conditions start to develop. So what we found is that 55% of those college students actually had a leaky gut and didn't know it. And again, the way we measured it was to say how many of those LPS toxins seeped into the bloodstream. So what we did is we took the 55% of those college students and divided them in half. And we took half of them took a um, placebo and half of them took the spores that are found in Just Thrive and sent them home for 30 days. We all know what college students are doing. There were no, no lifestyle or dietary modifications whatsoever. The only thing they had to do was take these strains once a day with food. And they came back 30 days later. The researchers gave them another challenge meal. And they found that the treated group, so the, the group that took the spores, actually saw a 42% reduction in LPS toxins seeping into the bloodstream. That was profound shock. I mean, we weren't shocked, but we were like, oh, wow, 42% reduction, no dietary lifestyle modifications whatsoever. We saw a 42% reduction. But I think what was more shocking to us was that the placebo group, so the group that didn't receive, you know, just a placebo, actually saw a 32% increase in those LPS toxins that were seeping into the bloodstream. So what that's telling us is that we are literally these, when, if you're not taking care of that leakiness of the gut, you are actually making that problem worse. It's like a drippy faucet. You know, you have this faucet that's dripping in, the, let's say a bathtub. And so it doesn't really cause a problem. And then one day it just overflows. And that's why people are like, I was fine. And all of a sudden I develop an autoimmune condition or I was fine. And all of a sudden I have, you know, anxiety, depression, whatever it might be. You know, all of these conditions are really stemming from that leakiness of the gut. So the study was absolutely profound. It's the first study of its kind that we know of in the, not just in the probiotic space, but in the pharmaceutical industry, over the counter, no, nothing of, the, of that type of study that we are aware of that's showing that it's actually, you know, reducing that those LPS toxins from leaking, leaking into the bloodstream, thereby sealing up that gut lining. And I love that we have science to support and show the impact that it has, because, you know, when we're looking at something like, for example, heavy metal detox, like you said, there are a lot of people in the supplement space who take advantage, who talk about things like juice fasts or coffee enemas as being what you need to solve these problems. And we know from the science that those things are not going to solve the problems that are deep within your gut health or how you're digesting things, you know, like those are not going to be long-term solutions, but rebuilding gut microbiome can enhance your health from the perspective of allowing your own body to do what it wants to do to begin with, which is naturally detox the things that you are, you know, either exposed to or consuming or whatever it may be, because when our bodies have that opportunity it wants to do those things. It's, you know, we have a liver for a reason, right? We have all these things. We have 
gut microbiome so that they can do these things for us. And I would much rather live in a world where I'm supporting my body's own ability to do those things and be proud of my body and be like, look at me, I'm fighting all these things. I mean, I'm not going to expose myself intentionally to a lot of stuff, but the environment is what it is. Everyone has an opinion, you know? And I tried to come at a very like moderate, I guess, standpoint with those things. And even on like Instagram, you know, I think that so much of health and wellness is like attacking other people or like, I know that within like functional medicine that a lot of people are like anti-conventional medicine, like anti-doctors. And I'm like, no, I'm not, you know, even though there are some things that maybe could be better. I think sometimes people, they put too much like responsibility on certain people or expect people to be perfect. And so I really tried to represent like a positive way to approach our health and like have this conversation, you know? And so hopefully, you know, as we talk about the Gwyneth approach, that's what people felt that they got that is like, okay, yeah, there's some things that we should do differently than what she was doing. But we also have to remember that like, it's always contextual. I want to share my fun fact that I didn't get to share on the podcast. You guys have already read it, but let me, let me share it. <laughs> This conversation all started with me asking Matt a question and him Googling it. And then that's usually our snowball of research. So I, I was trying to refer to social media as someone who chooses not to drink alcohol. And I was like, what do we call that person? And he's like, they're called a teetotaler. And I was like, what? Oh. He's like, that, that's, he's like that, that's the term. And I was like, what do you mean that's the term? And, he, and I was like, what does that even mean? Where does it come from? And evidently, it dates back to the early 1800s when alcohol consumption evidently drastically increased. I don't really think that's true because didn't they like ferment their wine back in ye olden days? Because ye olden like, days to kill like the bacteria that was in the bad water or whatever, right? Like yeah. at the time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right? It was. They just yeah. like drank wine 100 percent of the time because the water. Yes. Was... Yeah. Anyway. Evidently, there was an increase in alcohol consumption in the early 1800s, and they it was kind of like an all-or-nothing mindset for people. And the tea in teetotaler refers to temperance activists who were totally opposed to alcohol, capital T. And so that's where it came from, where, like, Sometimes you would use the capital R in Republican or W in Whigs parties to be like, you know, one of those kinds of people. Evidently, it manifested from a capital T and then Hodler to create a distinct identity of someone who doesn't drink. And it was only after Prohibition ended that drinking and moderation then became kind of more popular and wasn't just like, in all or nothing, like puritanical perspective or like all I'm drinking is alcohol perspective, I guess. The whole idea of prohibition and how America handled it is a, another podcast altogether mind blowing. I did like one of those Chicago architectural tours and they were like, see the green at the top of this building? That was a secret code for alcohol here. And I'm like, I don't, what, what is happening? I know it's like a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago wow. was a hotbed, evidently. So it's like underground. Yeah. Well, and above ground. So it was like at the top of the building. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I need to start using the teetotaler as a hashtag and see if we can get it to trend. 
like if I drink a mocktail, I'll say to myself, do I really want to have the sugary drink? But if you're drinking it with alcohol, it's, oh, well, this is just well, this just how you do it. Right, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, I think that there's a lot that kind of, you know, I'm piecing together, reframing and all this kind of stuff. And for me, you know, the science is really clear on if someone has anxiety. And I think a lot of us, especially coming out of the pandemic, are having an increase in post-pandemic anxiety and depression. and we're talking a lot about menopause and menopause increase, perimenopause and menopause increases anxiety and depression. So if we're throwing all of that in the pot and now you're starting to feel more anxious in general or you're having panic attacks, it's important for me to share that research, even though I'm the person saying the things that nobody wants to hear. <laughs> nobody wants me to come take away their soda and coffee. I get it. Which leads me to what you said where you thought I was trying to take the conversation. I mean, it's... It's fine. I know that I have a problem. My life is a lot about managing my addictions so that they are more helpful than not helpful because I just get sucked into things. That's just how my brain works, you know. And it's genetic. I mean, yeah. you're, you have a genetic history of addiction. And so what I have done is set up least harmful addictions, really. Like, it's, you know, better for me to be on caffeine than alcohol. It's better for me to be on Legos than mobile games. You know what I mean? Like I manage what puzzles you really like puzzles, puzzles. like puzzles. Like I, I try to manage what my addictions are because my brain gets obsessive. And caffeine is the one thing that I just have never been able to even come close to. Yeah. If you enjoyed any of these clips, I highly encourage you to head over to patreon.com slash the whole view to become part of our Patreon fam. You'll get access to our monthly book club, bonus weekly content, and even commercial free episodes. And no, you don't need yet another social platform or app if you don't want to. The weekly posts will be emailed to your inbox. Your next episode will be the usual deep dive into how we can find happiness and health inside and out through self-love, body positivity, and discovering new ways to be our best selves on the whole view. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful rest of your week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.